it's God first, other second, yourself third. The unique and cool thing about it is if you have that perspective, it comes back around to benefit you. Iwoo Hoops presents The Pursuit. Go inside the locker room as Iwoo Hoops trades the pursuit of me for the pursuit of three. Welcome to episode 4.14 of The Pursuit. I'm Jeff Clark, one of the basketball coaches at Indiana Wesleyan. In our last episode, we went inside the mind of players and coaches in an upset loss when Indiana Wesleyan was ranked number one in the country and lost to a team that hadn't won yet in the league. In today's episode, we're going to hear about the team's response. In the first half, we're going to hear from several players about the fear they had going into the next practice, and then what happened. In our second half, we're going to hear from Coach Jordan Widener about his journey as a player in facing fear, how God came to life in that journey, and then how that played into how the team responded to this upset loss. And then in overtime, we're going to hear from Coach Tonegal as he answers a question from a fan. We're joined now by Seth Maxwell, Luke Stevens, and Kyle Mangus. Following up on last episode where Cannon Coffee and Coach Tonegal talked about our loss to Goshen. Guys, I want to go back to the locker room after that game because we didn't go into that game expecting to lose and we did. What were you feeling in that locker room? Uh, I think um, right after the game, we were all just like anticipating what was going to happen. I think there was some fear in our minds, like, what are you guys going to do to us? I know we did really bad at rebounding, so I knew we'd probably have a really tough rebounding practice. So we, we I remember getting on the bus and just the silence and the tension in the bus. And I'm not sure anyone said a, a word the entire ride home. But what do you guys remember about that bus ride and then what happened that night? Um, for me, I was pretty down because I missed the last shot versus Goshen that could have went put into overtime. Um, and then we got on the bus and yeah, no one was saying a word. We were barely eating our food that we got for post game. And I think everyone was just thinking about like what's next and what was gonna happen that night when we got back and what was gonna happen Monday during practice because we knew the coaches were gonna be upset. I, f- I forgot that we got a high level meal. Uh, but some of you guys might've been thinking about the year before when we ate after a game in Cincinnati and came back and practiced that yeah. night. So <laughs> maybe some of you guys weren't eating that meal on the way home because of that. Luke, what, what ended up happening that night? Yeah, so uh, we got back, and uh, before the coaches got in the locker room, we were all saying, like, don't put your clothes away because we weren't really sure what to expect <laughs> to work out or what was going to happen. But So we kind of cleaned up the locker room and everything to make sure everything looked good. And then uh, all the coaches got in, and I think uh, you guys had some film ready for us. And um, basically um, – just kind of confronted us on what we needed to get better at and just to lock in. And uh, I just remember we had a really good film session that night and just kind of um, led us into a good day on Monday. So let's move into to Monday. Because uh, I remember, we heard in the last episode, we talked to Kane and Coffee that morning and we hear some of the fears that he was str- struggling with that we weren't even aware of. And that, as a coaching staff, set the, the, the pace for us as we planned practice and probably led us to a different place than where we originally thought coming in on Monday morning. But what were you guys feeling as you came into that locker room for the first practice after that loss? Yeah, so I remember thinking it was going to be a really tough, really physical practice, just kind of high intensity, the full go, probably pretty longer. But um, I just remember coming into the um, 
to the film room to start, and obviously something different happened. It's, there, there is always this tension as a, as a coaching staff because that film session on Saturday night was very direct. I remember a lot of honesty, both from coaches and from players. We really talked through some things we were lacking and what needed to happen. And, and the most of the clips shown were clips that were not acceptable for the, the program we want to be and the, the level of play that we wanted to get to. Uh, but then because of this whole concept of fear and the desire for uh, – you guys to live and play fearlessly. We did something different. So take listeners inside what happened. Um, we all came in the locker room and sat down, and uh, we went through a 555, which that's been mentioned on here before, but um, it's like a devotion. And we went through Psalm 18, and then we uh, came back together, and um, I think Coach Widener or one of our coaches asked uh, – if any guys had any fears that they were holding on to or fears that they felt and just wanted to share. And uh, one by one, we kind of went around the room and just uh, let go of those. And then as we did that, our teammates and uh, coaches uh, spoke truth into that and spoke how those were lies. So it was just an encouraging time after a tough loss. I remember as the day as we talked and unpacked what Kanan had said, we came to realize that there was nobody in our locker room that had been there when Coach Widener had been through that first year when we really discovered what it meant to pursue the fearless life. And at times, we can assume that you guys understand what that meant, but maybe it needed the story needed to be retold. And he's going to come on in the second half and share some more of that story. Uh, Luke, what do you remember about being in the locker room that day? So you didn't know what to expect coming in. You thought you might just get killed in practice with one of the most physical practices ever, and that came later. But it started with a very different approach. What do you remember happening as players started expressing fears and others started to speak truth over those lies? Yeah, so I just remember it got pretty emotional in the locker room just because, you know, as guys in the world, it's kind of looked down upon to uh, to share your fears and it can make you look weak, uh, perhaps. But, you know, as guys were sharing their uh, fears and just letting go of some lies that have really been uh, weighing them down for a long time, uh, a lot of emotions were showed and then even from the guys that were just speaking truth in their lives, a lot of emotions were showed from them. And I just think in general, it brought everybody a lot closer and just um, kind of united our brotherhood even more. Luke, you mentioned that we have difficulty at times sharing our fears. Why do you think that is? Yeah, so I think as men, you know, we want to look um, strong and tough. And uh, just maybe if you show your fears, you know, it can it can really sh- show some weakness in your life. And, you know, our, one of our program's pillars is um, fearless. And so... Uh, that's something we kind of pride ourselves on is just having no fears maybe and then if you expose them it can make you look weaker as a man but as we quickly figured out it just made us stronger in the end. And fearless can be misunderstood at times almost as though the message is message is if you have any fear there's something wrong with you when really fearless is more about facing fear than it is about eliminating fear. So there was two parts of this conversation one was to expose the fears the other was to replace those fears with truth because so often we believe lies internally and we're not seeing the truth and the reality of the situation. Why was it replacing those fears with truth so important in that meeting? Um, I think um, when the devil tells you lies, you need to combat it with offense rather than defense. So you can't just sit there thinking, I need to be fearless. I need to um, not have fear. Or rather, you need to put something in the place of that fear. 
So as coaches and players told each other, man, you're believing lies right now, it really um, freed us up and replaced those fears with something positive that we can think of and, and ultimately just truth. After the season, when we asked players about the most meaningful part of the season for them, where they saw the most growth, it was maybe eight of our guys who mentioned this day as one of the most important of the season. Why do you think it was so important? I think it was important because uh, it shows how in our program you don't just grow basketball-wise, but you grow off the court and with things you're dealing with mentally and spiritually. So um, I think it was really helpful to guys because they were dealing with some some things this year and, and they were able to see how those were lies and, and fears that uh, – they could just let go of. So, um, yeah, it's important or it's helpful that uh, guys just spoke spoke truth into each other, and uh, I think that's impactful. One of the things that was so shocking, and every time something like this occurs, was some of the things that were expressed that day. Because I think every teammate was looking at someone else and saying, there's no way that you really believe that. Uh, but sometimes we just get things twisted in our own mind and it takes someone else coming alongside you and, and sharing a truth in order to replace that. So what do you guys remember about the, the fears that you were experiencing that day and what you expressed to your team? I think my fear was just struggling with uh, identity and performance um, and sometimes leadership. Just uh, if I have, like if, if, if leadership is in me and um, I think it helped because some guys told me that I feel like I am uh, a big leader to the team, and when I say things, they can tell I really mean it, and um, guys really listen. So that was for me. One one of the moments that stands out for me so much is when you spoke, Kyle, and I think there were about five guys that looked at you like, wait, what? How, How do you struggle with that when you were talking about carrying the weight of scoring and leadership? Luke, do you remember when Kyle said that? What were you thinking in that moment? Yeah, I just, um, that was one of the ones that definitely stick out to me is just, I remember Kyle talking about uh, just kind of a, um, kind of a lack of confidence at that point in his own game. And then I just remember just looking around to a few of my teammates and we all just had like a look of amazement because like (laughs) we're playing against this dude every day in practice and he's just killing everybody. And it's like the best player in the league. And just, um, it was just kind of refreshing that we could just kind of speak some more truth into his life and just kind of remind him of those. Uh, great things he does for the team, for sure. Evan, Evan said after the game that there were a lot of different ways we could have responded. Not that any of them would have been wrong, because we did go have a hard physical practice after. But he really felt like this unlocked something new on our team, and, and we did go to another level after this. Why do you think that is? Um, it refreshes refreshes you. Uh, so you kind of feel stressed and tensed up about a lot of things, but after something like that, you just feel free, and then you go on the court and just kind of let go of everything and play with that fearless mentality because now you feel like you face those fears. And as we progress through that Goshen game, as we talked about last episode, there was this sense of fear on the court. And when that's on the court, it's hard to live into your potential. And, and going forward, we really saw the team go to another level. And when we come back, Coach Widener is going to come on, and he's going to talk about his initial journey into the, the fearless way of playing, how, how this word came to be within our program, and what it meant to him as, as a player and as a coach. 
This podcast was created to take you behind the scenes of building an I Am Third culture in a basketball program. But IW Hoops believes this philosophy can translate to any context. As we enter this one-minute halftime, we want to let you hear from our sponsor, Insurance Management Group, who is building a culture of I Am Third in the insurance industry right here in Indiana. Here's IMG President Trent Daly. Pursuing the I Am Third lifestyle has helped me grow as a leader in all aspects of life. Putting God first, my colleagues and customers second, and myself third has impacted IMG in ways I couldn't have imagined. At IMG, we have a passion for people and helping them achieve their goals. We are not just an insurance agency. We are a culture and an experience. You should expect more from your insurance agent. Visit us now at www.insmgt.com. Now back to the second half. We're joined by Coach Jordan Widener. And Coach, I want to go back to the Goshen game. We heard in the first half from some of the players about the experience on Monday. But let's start with the game. As we walked off the court as a coach, what was going through your mind? Yeah, it was kind of a surreal feeling. Like it almost just felt like a dream or like there's no way that could have just happened. Um, Just thinking back to some of the highlights of the game, there were guys that were – they just weren't themselves. They were afraid to make mistakes. They were afraid to make turnovers or miss shots. And you could just tell our, our guys were tense and they were tight. And it was less about we're here to win this game, but it was more of, man, how can we not lose to the team with no wins in the league? And um, it was just an interesting dynamic between a team that was number one in the country and the way they were almost playing not to lose to the worst team in the league instead of be, just be who we are. And it was interesting for me in hindsight because you played more recently than Coach Tonegal and I, and, and you were the first one that went to fear, whereas Coach Tonegal and I probably started with frustration and anger. So I want to go back to your playing days because a big part of the story of Fearless in our program was your senior year. And the entire year, it's been told in other settings, we were studying what it means to be fearless, but then you had an experience where you embodied that in the national tournament. So can you take us back to that day? Yeah, so I remember uh, after the first game of the national tournament, probably played one of the the worst games of my career. And it was just, I was putting so much pressure on myself to live up to the expectations of all the different accolades that I'd had. And at the end of the day, we, we know that those things don't matter, but it's really hard as an athlete when performance is involved to, to want to live up to the expectations or just to put pressure on yourself to be what everyone thinks or says you are. Um, and I think I could I related very quickly to what the guys were feeling being the, the newly crowned number one team in the country in the rankings and just how much pressure is, is on a game playing against a team that was – supposed to be very very much inferior to you guys or to our team as um record wise and 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 rankings and all these different things so it was very easy to go to that um that feeling because i had been there and i had been in their shoes it was only just a couple years ago that i was feeling that sort of pressure just in a little bit different of a form so i want to before we get back to the locker room i want to tell a little bit more of that story because we were heading into the Elite Eight. You hadn't been playing your best, even though you were a first-team All-American. And you had expressed a fear of not being able to be the first guy to lead the team to the Final Four because we've been to four straight Elite Eight. So 
there was a moment in the night when something shifted in your mind, then it carried forward to the next day with the team and into the game. So can you tell that story of what happened? Yes. Yeah, so um, was in the hotel room. Uh, my roommate was up all night. He wasn't feeling well. And I couldn't sleep. And we'd been given these like small Bibles from Canica camps and it was the New Testament, and then it was Psalms and Proverbs, and I just, I went through all my social media, and there was nothing that, nothing that was newer um, popping up on there, and I just kind of prayed and said, Lord, I'm going to open this thing, and wherever I land, I'm just going to read till I fall asleep, and I ended up opening the Psalm 18, uh, and it was just this passage that was full of overcoming the enemy when you call upon the Lord, and the Lord being the strength and the rock that we live on, we, like, lean on and and we live in his word and we live in his presence and man for me it was just the weight off my shoulders in the middle of the night probably got the best night's sleep of the whole tournament and woke up the next day and it was just like man i gotta tell the guys about this and just kind of see the way that played out for other guys to be turning to scripture when they were anxious or they were worrying or they were nervous um i think it was a huge turning point in, in the program and in my career and even in my life and then to go out and, and finish the finish national tournament on top, but not because of I necessarily started playing better. I was doing anything different. I just knew that at the end of the day, this game doesn't matter. The Lord is the, the strength that I have. and Everything that I have comes from him. So why not just go out and be free and not worry about all the pressures that I'm putting on myself? Because at the end of the day, all that stuff is taken care of um, because of who the Lord is and what he's done for us. It was a turning point in our program because that night you went out and you just didn't have a, a great idea or thought about fearless, but you embodied fearless. And I remember you had 35 points and 11 assists and carried us to the final four. Uh, and I want to press in there because you played the best game of your career after that experience in the, in the night. And it, it was a manifestation of I am third. Sometimes people hear I am third and think I have to serve others, but it's truly God first. So what happened that released something new in you to perform at that level? Because what we don't believe is, oh, because you prayed, you played better because God loved you more. It wasn't that, but it sure seemed like something shifted in your spirit that led to you to play that level. So what do you think it was? You know, I think it was being able to realize the platform that I have and how I can use that to worship. So if we think about different times in our life when we've had these worship experiences, it's, I don't care what's going on around me. I don't care what other people are thinking or seeing. Like, man, I'm just worshiping, and that's when I'm the most free. So if you're in church and the song comes on and it's, man, it's your jam, you're feeling it, you got tears falling from your eyes, like your hands are up, you don't care what people are thinking, you don't even know what's going on around you. And I felt that's kind of what the point that I was at was I was just so comfortable and so much in a state of worship that I don't want to say I was playing out of out of body, but it just I just I didn't know what was going on. Like all I was concerned with was I'm here to play a game and I'm just going to worship the Lord the best I can through it. And I think that is what what ended up happening when that was the, the posture of my heart and my mind. It was amazing to experience as a coach because we'd been praying about being fearless. We'd been pursuing it, but you embodied it. And, and what came to light for us, the freedom you played with, uh, there's this passage in scripture where it says, there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out fear. So if you love God perfectly and love others perfectly, 
you have nothing to be afraid of. Whereas sometimes I think I just have to try hard not to be afraid. It's more, no, I have to try more aggressively to love God and love others and fears will go away. So let's take that then to, to that Goshen game. So we lose that game. Uh, I remember the meeting we had as a coaching staff when, on Monday morning, and we're trying to plan out uh, what we're going to do with the guys, what film we're going to show, what we're going to say. We came in kind of with a clean slate. We didn't know, but we knew something had to be done. Go back to that meeting and, and tell listeners what you remember. Yeah, I think we just kind of got to a point where we realized that us going out and practicing was not going to do anything for this team from a spiritual standpoint. Like we could, we just, in the Goshen game, we didn't, we weren't who we were on the basketball court. And I think that was a, a byproduct of the mindset and where our guys' hearts were at the time. So it was, well, instead of going out and physically practicing, why don't we just have an emotional or a spiritual practice, if you will? And it just kind of came down to, let's get all these guys in the room. I'll share my story about fear and let's just let these guys open up and be real about what they're struggling with. Cause for us to think that our guys got it all together and they're just ready to get after it and forget about that game and put it behind them. We'd be crazy to think that. So we just kind of said, Hey, you know what, let's, let's start it off with my story and then allow these guys one by one to get up and share what it is, what weight, what burdens they're carrying that they that are unrealistic, that aren't true, and that they don't need to be carrying. And after they share, let's have our, our brothers and teammates around them fill those lies and burdens with truths that actually are meaningful and that are bigger than basketball, that are eternal. Uh, and I think what it did for each guy individually to see the almost the weight in the room just be, be lifted, was it was powerful to see. It really was. It, to first hear the see the guys as they listen to your story because for for me it's still like it was yesterday but these guys didn't experience that so they hear the word fearless but they maybe haven't lived it out or experienced it in the way we had as a program so they listened to it then we prayed and we worshiped and then we expressed those fears and it was a powerful moment in the room as you're a coach and you're listening what stood out to you and what did you see happen i think the biggest thing was seeing some of the guys, just some of the things that they said, just wouldn't you would expect. Like for a guy that's an incredible shooter to say, hey, I'm afraid to miss shots. Or a kid that's an incredible leader to stand up and say, I just don't feel like I'm a good enough leader. Like as coaches, I think we can take for granted how good our guys are at certain things. But then to know the things, that those are the same things that they're struggling with not being good enough. Um, because it is the world always tells us you can always be better you can always do something better you can always improve some way if you're not if you're not doing good in this area and so I think as a coach to know sometimes our a player just might need to be told hey you're doing an awesome job at this and it could be the smallest of things that we might not think are anything big but because of these these kids now are struggling with so many things and have so much pressure on them it was just huge to see the way that they changed when their brothers told them the simplest of compliments and gave them the simplest of encouragement um, would be the first thing. And then I think the other is just to know the impact that that's going to have on those guys that's so much bigger than basketball. Like to know it's okay to uh, struggle with certain things as men because there's guys around you that are struggling with their own things as well. And to know that 
how important community is to have around you. Obviously, you have a basketball team, but even going forward, like, there's days they're going to struggle in their work. There's days they're going to struggle at home with their family, with their wife. And I think the just get that picture of how important a, a brotherhood and a community of, of godly men is around you. Um, that that would probably be the the other thing that was that was awesome to see just how they came together. Last thing, Coach Widener. One of the things that's standing out to me as you're talking is just the power of putting God first over the course of a season. What doesn't happen in our program is we never practice and we just pray all the time. And what doesn't happen is we don't work hard. Our guys commit themselves to being great, the amount of time they spend in the gym. But there are moments in the season where we feel like God is leading in a different direction as we lead the program, where we truly put God first. And we say there's a spiritual lid on our team right now because there's something in the way that God has to do. And these moments where we push into that and we follow God's lead, they're almost leverage points for the season where we go to another level. So as you go forward in your coaching career, how does this impact who you're going to be as a coach and, and how you put God first in your coaching and your leadership? Yeah, I mean, I think there's never anything too small or too silly to bring to the Lord. Um, and I think whether it's you're asking about the right drill for a practice, you're asking about the right recruit, you're asking about the right meal when you're on the recruiting trip. Like, I, I think it's there's nothing too small to bring to the Lord. And I think if if we expect to bring the big things to the Lord, whether that's finances or, you know, all these, these topics that are labeled big, I think we have to be really diligent and really intentional about bringing all the small things to the Lord. Um, so I think that's that's probably the, the biggest takeaway is there's nothing too small to bring to the Lord. And when you do, I think if it's with the right intentions and a pure heart to glorify Him through those answered prayers, I think that to me is going to be the biggest thing to take for because I think that translates to anything. It translates to a coach. It translates to a leader, a business, a father, a husband. Like I think that's just a, something that, that you can do no matter who you are and where you're at. Um, that is just a small, simple way of putting yourself at the feet of the Lord every day. We're back for overtime. We have a question from one of our favorite guys, Connor. Uh, he emailed and said, I have a question for the podcast. I was reading Proverbs this morning and came across Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. The question is, how have you guys successfully navigated through decisions that look like they would have brought success to the program, but in the end could have ended up destroying the program? And coach, we heard in the first second half about the response to the loss at Goshen. And uh, I just want to go back to that moment. The, the game's over. We're in the locker room. And there's a lot of different ways that we could have responded. And there there was certainly some very direct words spoken. There was some film watched. But, but can you just talk through... From the time the game ended to the meeting in the locker room, what happened in your heart and how you ended up getting to the point where you're saying, this is what we need to do as a team? Well, coaching's a, uh, an emotional profession, and it's a roller coaster, as we all know. And I think managing those uh, emotions throughout coaching often dictates the outcomes that we, we end up with. And, and as I walked off that court, I'm not going to lie, I was upset. Uh, I was embarrassed. I was f- really frustrated. And I think the natural instinct is to point the finger and say, how could you guys have done this? Or to be really honest, like to blame them and say, you've embarrassed me as a coach because this isn't what I stand for. And, 
you know, 10 years ago, I think there would have been a response that, that would have come out of that, that would not have brought new life and certainly wouldn't have been beneficial to the program. And so some of this, to be really honest, you'd learn through mistakes and you learn through failure. But as we begin to process this and sit on this and kind of give space to say, okay, God, here's what I'm seeing right now, but this obviously isn't true. Because so many of our decisions, I think, at least mine in these moments, are driven uh, by frustration, which comes out of insecurity. Insecurity that, look, our performance didn't match uh, what I stand for as a coach. But to give it space, to give it a full day, and even another day, I think we had, uh, well, we had all day Sunday and Monday, and we begin to pray as a staff. And we begin to just ask the question, what's the reality of our situation right now? And you've heard the story through that. The reality wasn't we're a bad team. This isn't you know, our new identity. The reality was fear had crept in. And our job as coaches wasn't to drive more fear in by punishing them. It was actually to remove fear. So, so I hear you use this word prayer and, and have seen this pattern develop where you give space. You don't respond emotionally. You don't respond immediately, but you give space and in that process, you're praying about what's the best thing to do. So how did prayer help change things over the course of those two days? Well, I think one of the things prayer does, and I've seen this in my own life, it just shifts perspective. You know, sometimes maybe prayer doesn't change the circumstance, but it changes my perspective. And when my perspective is changed, then I can step into a new circumstance. I hope that makes sense. But sometimes I'm in my own head, to be honest. And when I pray, and, and praying isn't just me talking, it's me listening and I think what we did in that moment was we listened in prayer, and what we heard was, you got to remove fear. And all of a sudden, it changed the, the reality of the situation that we walked into that moment in that locker room. Sometimes my tendency in prayer is to only pray about the biggest thing. So if I need to get married, or I need a new job, or I'm going to have a kid, but I hear you pray, talking about praying about everything. Yeah, my hope is that there is not an untouched area of our program that isn't prayed over. So recruiting's been a big part. Donors have been a big part of our program. Obviously, we're praying for our players all the time, and we, we pray about everything. And I would encourage listeners out there, you could be a business owner, and are you praying over your cubicles? You could be uh, somebody who works in education with students, and before they show up, you know, can you just walk your classroom and pray? And there, there's the little things, uh, I think, call for prayer. Oftentimes, we forget about those things, but they make big differences in, in the life of our programs and the things that we lead. That's maybe one of the main stories over the past 14 years in this program, living it, is to see the way ch prayer has changed things. And it's evident when you feel it and you experience. But last thing, Coach, what did you see in the locker room that day? So you heard the players, you heard Coach Widener talk about it. As the head coach, as, as you were coming off that loss and then you listen in, what did you hear? Well, we, we say greatness favors the fearless. And uh, in that moment, we saw fear begin to lose its grip. As you heard guys talk about, some guys were fearful of letting their own teammates down. Some guys were fearful of uh, living up to the expectations of their parents. And one by one, as we replaced those fears with truth, we walked out of there, very confident team. And if you would have told me 24 hours ago that our team would be that confident coming off the biggest loss in program history, I'd have said it's impossible. But, but as we've learned, leaning into the kingdom, anything is possible. On our next episode, we're going inside two of the highlights of the season for the Wildcats, hearing from Kane and Coffey and Evan Maxwell on game-winning shots they hit at the buzzer this season. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Pursuit. If you were challenged to grow from this podcast, please rate or review us on your podcast platform or share with those you know as it helps multiply the impact. 
If you have a question you would like to ask iWoo Hoops on a future episode, hashtag AskIWooHoops or email jeff.clark at indwes.edu. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at iWooHoops. Join us next time right here on The Pursuit. And remember, if you want to be first, first find a way to be third.